This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by the Travel Ability Summit, a virtual conference designed to bring together the disability travel community, destinations, hotel, cruise lines, airlines, attractions, and product innovators to exchange practical solutions and new ideas for making travel accessible for all. Go to TravelAbilitySummit.com. And now it's on to our show. Today, we welcome Tammy Blount Canavan, an individual whose career has spanned over 30 years and two countries, including executive leadership at Tourism Vancouver, CEO of Tacoma Regional CVB, the architect and inaugural chair of the Washington Tourism Alliance, and president and CEO of the Monterey County CVB. Tammy is past chair of Destinations International and co-chaired the creation and launch of Destination Next. She's been recognized as CEO of the year, one of the 25 most influential people in the meetings industry, twice as one of the top 25 most influential women in the industry, one of the top 100 most inspirational women in the meetings industry, community leader of the year, leading for positive impact award and Destination International's Global Leadership Award. Tammy, that's a lot of hardware on your mantle. It's uh, very humbling to listen to. (laughs) Tammy also is an FCDME. She has that certification, which is the highest as a fellow CDME, and she now helps instruct the CDME course as she continues to mentor the current and next generation of destination leaders. More importantly, when we welcomed Rick Antonson back as the first guest of this reimagined DMOU podcast, he said, if you want to know what's next, follow Tammy. And that's all that any of us need to know. So, Tammy, welcome to DMOU. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. We've been wanting to do this for a while, and it seems rather quaint (laughs) that when we first talked about getting you on the show a year ago, we were going to talk about sustainability in the face of over-tourism. Obviously, our world has been completely tossed upside down. And at the same time, you've transitioned from leading a DMO to leading the Destination Marketing Division consulting practice for Fired Up Culture. It's an opportunity to explore your passion for elevating leadership and team performance for DMOs. And wow, do we need you now? We all need a little help and a little love. Yeah, sustainability is still a huge passion, but this is just such a great thing to be into at this time. Yeah. So let's get to our first question. When we discussed this episode, you suggested that the fallout from the vid, as we call it, and social unrest and everything else that's happening, the election at all, is really merely exacerbating a problem that already existed for many DMO leaders. Many were already exhausted and just juggling way too many dishes at once. Today, we have seen over the past six or seven months a raft of retirements. Is this to be expected? And what would you advise veteran leaders at this moment in time? Yeah, you know, I think before all of this came down and and completely turned our world upside down, it was already evolving, right? Yeah. And, you know, you and I have been around for uh, longer than we need to really state. But for as long as I can remember, there's been a, a conversation about relevance and disintermediation and 
um, how we remain effective for our communities. We have seen increasing politics enter our world. There was a time way, way back when, when we could say, hey, we're just a marketing agency. We don't do that. Well, we do. And it has been a part of our world for, for quite some time now. We were seeing increased attacks on funding mechanisms and budgets. And the, with the increase in what we were talking about before, a pushback from residents on visitation. I don't like the O word, but I do agree that there's a balance that must be struck for a community between how many people are coming and what we're really there to do, which is to enhance quality of life. So there is already additional pressures and uh, relatively new challenges that DMO leaders have been facing for some time. And then this comes, right? So people were already uh, looking for new resources, looking for support, feeling a little worn down and tired, a little battle weary. And then this happens and it's just so incredibly volatile, isn't it? Because on one day we think that everything's going to be better soon and another day we know it's not. And one day we think we're going to get some funding relief and then the next day we're not. And there's so much out of everybody's control. There's so much that is is frustrating. And we are used to being the problem solvers. We're used to being the leaders in our community, the, the folks that say, here's the way, follow me. And we find ourselves now in a place, perhaps a little bit more uh, solid ground than we were a few months ago when we were just sitting there and our heads were spinning on what the heck is going on. But there's still this despair <laughs> and fatigue and frustration right. of leaders not being really confident in how to lead their communities or their people, how to deal with the reduction in force that folks are having to face, pivoting the relevance of, of an organization from uh, inviting visitors to your town to making sure that the locals are patronizing takeout for your restaurants to try and keep them alive. And all of this treading water and, and trying to keep at least uh, your nose, if not your whole head above the surface, has been just incredibly wearing. And so there really has never been a time that it is more to talk about this, to be cognizant of it, and to recognize there's no magic bullet. There's nothing that is going to be a, an immediate solution, but we do have each other and we do have a number of resources and we've got so many really smart people and we've got a lot of support. So my advice to veterans is, I'm sorry, it's just not going to be the way it was. And I, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by that. But by all means, embrace the opportunities that lay ahead. Because for all of that fatigue and for all of that frustration, we really are still that beacon of hope in our communities. I was, I was talking to someone today and they were talking about the ability for our industry in particular to be the kind of people that people want to be around, especially when they're in trouble. We are a, a breed of support and innovation and creativity and adaptability. In particular, DMO leaders are connected and relational and engaging, and that provides a lot of hope. And I don't think that you can underestimate the effect of the ability to provide hope for a community or an individual or a person. And we need to recognize that nobody knows what they're doing yet, that there's no recovery expert because there's no recovery. We've never been here before. Yeah. And so taking everything one day at a time and one step at a time and reaching out and asking for help, or maybe veterans aren't used to that, is going to be a really important part of making it through these next few years. You know, interesting that you say that because in our episode with Dave Nolan, who was CEO of what is now Destination Cleveland, he said just that. He said he wanted to fix it. There was an issue that put him squarely in the targets of the local media that drew into question whether there was 
unaccounted spending. There wasn't. And, and the audit found that he was absolutely rock solid. There was not one single finding in the audit, but he said, I didn't bring my board and I didn't bring community leaders into it because it was my problem and I was going to fix it. No. And you can't do that anymore. And you couldn't do it then. And you need to surround yourself with good people, but you're, you're right. That's who a DMO CEO is, is in many cases, we see ourselves as the fixer. So we've got all these retirements. I mean, I stopped counting about two or three months ago, but it's got to be over 10. And part of me sees one reason, and that is they're tired. They're in their 60s. This is not going to get better anytime soon. And it probably means we're going to have to completely reimagine what it is we do. And maybe that's the role of someone who's younger, who will step in and can put more than a few years on that project. The other side of the coin, though, as I was driving home yesterday, I thought to myself, you know, for most communities, room tax became available in around 1980, 84, somewhere in there for a lot of places. That means that we're only 40 years old as, in, as a sector. And so those of us that got in in our 20s and 30s, it is time to retire. You know, I, I saw a retirement today come across the wire and the person said, I actually had planned on doing this in January, but we just couldn't put it together fast enough. Then the vid happened and I have to stick around. I can't just walk away, even though my plan was to be retired by the summer and enjoy my, my first summer out. So is it a combination of the two? Is it, is it that it's time for our first wave of veterans to ride off into the sunset? How much of it is the pressures of dealing with a target and an enemy that we have no idea what the next step is. I think it's a little bit of all of the above. And I would add that there are also some folks who have stepped aside because they knew they were too expensive mm -hmm. and that budgets are suffering so badly. And they recognize that you can get somebody else with some creative thought and a lot of energy for half my price. And so if there was an opportunity to retire versus just taking a pay cut and struggle through it, I think that they were trying to be honorable and gracious about that. But I do think I started in my 20s and I'm still only mid 50s. So I'm not quite ready to go away yet. But I, I do think that there's I hope not. <laughs> what we're seeing is an opportunity as these positions are vacated. We're seeing number twos step up. And we're seeing, you know, new opportunities being created for yeah. a slightly younger generation, but still seasoned and highly professional and innovative and all of those wonderful things that we are. But we're seeing sort of a, a new dawn, I think, in some of these organizations and opportunities that would, wouldn't have been created before. So uh, it is my hope that those seasoned professionals don't go too far. You might be retiring, you might, you might be enjoying a different kind of life, but I think that this is a time where all hands have to be on deck. And there are leaders that have so much to offer and, and so much wisdom. And you mentioned my very favorite, Rick Antonson earlier. You know, I reached out to him at one point and said, you know, help me in framing some inspiration for some of these folks. And of course, he's magical in the way he is. He just provided so much context from uh, history and uh, some of the cycles that we've been through. And certainly this is brand new. This is not something that anybody's lived through, but some of that perspective from, from those veterans, I think we want to make sure that we're keeping in touch with them. Yeah. Right. But I, I do think that this is a, a very cool opportunity for a new day for many leaders whose time has come. So outside of using your shoulder and mine uh, to steady themselves, and in some cases to cry on, where do you recommend DMO leaders find their support? 
Is it from interaction with their peers and or are there support mechanisms within the community that they should look to? Yes. <laughs> so this industry is the most collaborative and supportive that I know of. And even other sectors of tourism, hospitality, meetings, events are not quite the same as destinations. This is a, a, a very special kind of person that sticks into this, this field. That network of people, um, for those of us who have been around for a long time, is rich and deep. For slightly newer comers, it might be a little bit more difficult to just have a, a Rolodex of 10 people that you can call up if you have a problem or if you just need to, to talk it out or um, have somebody understand where you're where you're sitting and, and what your view is. So yes, reach out to your peers, reach out to your trade associations, Destinations International, PCMA, others that are all providing different forums for discussion and information and opportunities to connect. I know that everybody's zoomed out. Attend those virtual conferences and participate in the networking part of it, even though it feels a bit weird and it's not. It's not the same because we're such a huggy group of people. We are. <laughs> but, you know, connect with folks that way. Do the webinars that are going to be relevant. Look for non-traditional sources of information and partnership. And what I would say is while most of us are traveling less or not at all, there are so many resources in our own community. And that can go from anything as as casual as the relationships within your own organization or members of your board or people in your community, this is an opportunity to get to know them a little bit better and collaborate and talk things through because I guarantee that whoever it is you're turning to for help needs a little love too. But there's, there's also formal outlets. Uh, if you're really struggling, there are so many resources both online, in your community, and in other places that there is no shame and you should be proud. If you, if you have a problem and you're seeking somebody to talk to, whether that's a professional therapist or it's a colleague or, or someone else, please don't sit there alone. Don't be in isolation, but reach out somewhere. There's a, a huge, rich network of resources available. Yeah. You know, I w- had the honor yesterday of... Uh addressing the Illinois Council of Convention and Visitors Bureau's quarterly meeting, and they did a hybrid. They did uh, virtual for about 25 CEOs, all distanced, in a big room, and about 100 people online. And at the end of a two-day session, as everything was closing up, a couple people made comments of, you know, thank you for this, thank you for that, and thank you for each other, and thank you for coming. And pretty soon, two or three of the CEOs started to choke up. And it was really touching, but one of them gathered herself and said, I didn't realize how much I missed you all. I see you on Zoom every week. They do weekly Zoom calls. And she goes, I missed being in the same room with you. Even though we can't hug, this means the world and I'm ready to get back on the horse and go. So I couldn't agree with you more on just making sure those networking opportunities continue. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's lots of social media groups too, right? There's a hospitality group on Facebook and there's a DMO CEO group and groups on LinkedIn and, and other stuff. And, and nothing's going to replace that face-to-face. And, and we all do desperately miss each other. And I think that that's a good opportunity for me to mention to recognize that our extroverted friends, the people who are real, true extroverts, are really hurting by this isolation and, you know, just reaching out once a day is not too frequent for these folks, but reach out and check on your colleagues. Even if you think that they're tougher, I guarantee that they're going to appreciate you just checking in and and saying, Hey, I'm just thinking about you. So we have to believe there is a way out of this crisis. It's what keeps us moving forward. As we emerge, tell us what you believe the future holds as we rebuild our professional staff 
How do DMOs design for resiliency and capacity? There is a way forward. It's there. It's it's not clear yet, but there is another side and we're all going to get there. It's, it's going to be a long journey, I think, and, and we're going to have lots of company on the way as we figure out what that path is and, and we stub our toes on things. What do I see? Um, I, I see an opportunity for destination organizations to redefine themselves. And, and that is not, you know, completely reinvent, turn it all upside down, but to build alliances within your community, to leverage your investments and your resources, to combine uh, forces with economic development and chambers and others uh, throughout the community. This is an opportunity to focus on diversity and making sure that we are inviting as many different voices and backgrounds to the table as possible as we try and figure out this path forward. This is an opportunity for us to remember that we are not alone and that operating in isolation will not be helpful for us at this time because things change so quickly. And this is really an opportunity for us to reevaluate our talent. You know, I, I was talking about all kinds of wordy explanations of the kinds of folks that we're going to need in the future of a destination organization. And it came up on uh, one of our discussions with some, some CEOs from around uh, North America. And it came from Gretchen Hall, but she credited Paul Nursey. So Gretchen Hall from Little Rock, who did her own great podcast with you, and Paul Nursey is in Victoria. The new term that I am embracing and crediting those two with is cross-functional ninja. Okay, I like it. I love it, right? I couldn't have coined it better myself. And and this is the day that that line in people's job description that says and other duties as required is now 80% of the time that people are spending. And for most folks, what they were originally signed up for is not what they're able to do now and it's not going to be for the foreseeable future. So, you know, how do we build this um, sort of reborn or rethought organization? That's going to depend on the needs of our community and the appetite for those in our community to collaborate with us. It is going to uh, be highly dependent on the opportunities that we take advantage of to connect with our community more to really have that understanding of their comfort level and how do we get them embracing the idea that this isn't just an economic driver, but this is something that's really important to the fabric of the culture of our community as we talk about inviting folks to to come and visit and relocate their businesses here and, and all of the good things that happen from tourism. When we talk about these cross-functional teams and we talk about fewer people than we've had before and we've talked about new realities that we face, this presents us with a whole additional opportunity to really get our teams focused on a very specific mission to make sure that everybody is not just in the same boat, but everybody's rowing at the same speed and in sync, that we are setting our team members up to set each other up for success, that we're fostering those deep relationships that are going to help build resiliency and understanding and learning, and that we are um, really hunting for people and then nurturing their ability to embrace new concepts, to to learn new things, to uh, really be curious and to uh, get inside the, the heads of, of those that, uh, that really matter to us, our stakeholders, our clients, but most importantly, one another. And so you know, this is why I say this is a really great time to be sitting in the in the chair that I am because I get to work with with organizations as they kind of rethink not just org charts, but you know how do we want to embrace this new culture that we are 
um, fostering and, and nurturing within our organization? And how do we make sure that we're removing barriers to success? How do we make sure that we're uh, making sure that, that folks are connecting and engaging and leaning in with each other and with the organization and the community that we serve? So I see the future as a long journey towards a, a very bright and inspired new existence where we are uh, probably better integrated with our communities, that we are finding a, a stronger relevance, that we are finding our community more open to thinking differently than perhaps they have been before, because everybody's in the same boat that that life is weird. And I hope that um, as, as we go along this journey, that all of the predictors that we started out with earlier, um, as, as things started to topple down, is that uh, truly our elected officials in our communities recognize just how important the industry that 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 we serve is to not just the economics but to the overall well-being of the communities that we serve and and the places where we live. And it also is as you said earlier on in this answer it is the opportunity to make sure that our next generation professional staff reflects the community. And you know, I was thinking that one of the biggest struggles we have in trying to build diversity into our boards of directors, unless you want to be very aggressive and the board agrees that half of them will step away and and we will now replenish, and that doesn't happen very often, it's going to take years to get even two or three no. faces of color. And it's not just ethnicity. It's it's age. It's It can be geography. It can be it can be travel accessibility. Uh, as I told people the other day in one of my sessions, I was totally blessed. It wasn't my idea. I inherited her. I had a woman who was in a chair on my board, and it made me much smarter and much more focused on my game. And I, you know, this was back in the 80s, that we were making sure that there were pictures of people with different abilities in our materials. Had she not been there, I never would have thought of it. And it's the same thing that, that happens yeah. with ethnicity. And I continue to see, saw one today, saw a 30-second commercial with not a single face of color in it. And it's like, you guys got to know better than that. But for whatever reason, it doesn't dawn on them. So I'm, I'm getting far afield here, but I'm saying it's one thing to have to struggle for years and years and years to get that going on a board level. But now, on a staff level, if, if you've lost half your staff as you rebuild... This isn't about saying, well, we, we, we can't diversify the staff because everybody's all already here. Well, they're not already here. They're gone. So now those positions could be an opportunity for us to diversify our professional staff. I think it's an interesting opportunity. Without question. Yep. And yeah. the other thing is that we may have downsized and, and there are some people here, but they might not be the folks that are appropriate for the long term. And I don't mean to sound mercenary, but right. um, yeah. It, it, and our friends that are really tired and frustrated might bristle a little bit when when we talk about the opportunity and the bright days ahead, because it's it's hard to see those right now. But it's true, you know. As I mentioned before, never never before has there been a, a time where our participation in community leadership has 
been uh, so incredibly important, not just on the economic side, as I said, but to uh, to start to infuse some optimism and some some hope and, and some fresh ideas and, and creative thinking in those that, that live around us and are just as frustrated. Yeah. Well, thank you. Great stuff, Tammy. Uh, it's time for our bonus round. We can't let you go without that. As a DMO leader, you have traveled the world and you have reveled in amazing experiences. What would you consider to be the five coolest experiences in your 30 plus years of being in the DMO world? It is a blessed life, isn't it? It is. Just so many opportunities that we get that most of the world will never see. Uh, we, we get to do a lot of cool stuff, but my top five. The first uh, you mentioned at the beginning, and that was getting to work with Rick Antonson. He is a legend, and I'm delighted that he still hangs around and takes my calls. To this day, I call him my friend, but it's just such a great privilege to be able to call someone um, your friend that is also your your real-time, real-life hero. There's still not a, a week that goes by where I don't think, you know, what would Rook do in this situation? So, <laughs> Right, absolutely. Yeah, he wins top prize. Second, in the late 90s, while working for Rick, in uh, in Vancouver, Canada, I got to take a trip around the world, literally. I was the new director of, of sales for tour and travel or leisure travel and uh, flew from Vancouver to London to Amsterdam to Berlin to Osaka to Tokyo and back to Vancouver. And you were what, 26, <laughs> seven, right? <laughs> yeah, late Amazing. 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And that it was, it was just, it's one of the coolest things ever to be able to say, I literally flew all the way around the world and I got to get off the plane in those cities and, and there were events and, and other things happening. It just, it just so happened that that was a, a very cool way to coordinate a trip, you know, and, yeah. and when we do things like that, uh, we get to go into cool venues. So number three would be having events and being able to go into at that point, Canadian embassies all around the world. And, and traveling with Mounties. Walking down a street with a Mountie is kind of like being the groom at a wedding, right? You, you don't exist. <laughs> Everybody's looking at the bride. Um, so super cool. Number four, in 2010, I got to, with other destination leaders around the um, Pacific Northwest, around the, the Seattle area, I got to, it was invited by Tom Norwalk, I should say. I got to go and stand on the top of the Space Needle Get out. But wait, there's more. But with astronaut Bonnie Dunbar. <laughs> yeah. It was, we were um, trying to secure one of the retiring space shuttles and, and Bonnie had, uh, she was a local astronaut from, uh, from Seattle area. And uh, so we put this big flag up on top of the space needle and I got to stand up there with an astronaut. That's great. Yeah, it really is super cool. And number five, I think is just uh, after 30 something years, hanging around this industry, the lifelong friendships with just brilliant people, the best of humans and folks who just will stop at nothing to be a good friend and to um, help support or just make you laugh. Those relationships, I have had most of them or many of them from before I left Vancouver. So, you know, 30 years and, and uh, some of them are newer, but I'm just so incredibly grateful for all of them. And particularly in a time like this where, yeah, I might be a shoulder to cry on, but it doesn't mean that I don't have my days where I'm like, oh my gosh, another day. 
So having that network of incredible people like you and like Maura Gass and, uh, you know, all of the, the folks that I've mentioned that I've known for such a long time, what a blessing. And if none of the other stuff had happened, I would say that that's probably still one of the best things that's ever happened to me for my entire life. Yeah. The sharing and the lifelong relationships that we have are simply undiscoverable in other career tracks or other industry. As I try to explain to people in other worlds, they just look at us and it's kind of like when a dog hears a noise it, it doesn't recognize and it cocks its head. It's like they kind of cock their head and look at me and go, come on, you guys don't share that much. And I tell them, I said, you know, in the first iteration of DMOU, when it was a teleseminar series back in the aughts, we had 125 guests. So far now we've got about 40. So in 160 some asks, I was only turned down once. Every other person said, sure, I'll tell you my secrets. I'll tell you my secret sauce. I'll tell you anything yeah. you want to know. The only person who ever turned me down, both of us love to tell the story, is Bob Lander when he was in Austin. <laughs> of course. This is so Bob, right? And he's, I said, can you come on the show? And he goes, no, I don't think so. And I started to snicker and then I realized he wasn't kidding. And I said, hmm. can I ask why? He says, I have no real need to share my secrets with my competitors. And then we laughed and hung up. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, and those who know Bob, that was so Bob. But that's that's who we are. We, with the exception of Bob, we're going to share, right? And then, of course, Bob will share anything other than his secret sauce. So, <laughs> I'm sure there was some colorful language in there too. <laughs> Always. Hey, Tammy, thank you so much for all you have done for us in the DMO world over the years. The passion that you bring to your new role at Fired Up is very, very cool. I am sure that there are a number of listeners who may not no fired up yet. And so tell us how we can learn more about your work and your new company, Fired Up Culture. Well, thank you. I, you know, we have a pretty cool website. It's super easy, firedupculture.com. And we have a, a blog on there with all kinds of great free resources that um, you might find helpful. We have a reading room there if you're looking for books to, to look at. Um, so there's that. Um, and you can always email me at tcanavan at firedupculture.com. Um, or reach me through the website or just Google me and I'm sure I'll pop up somewhere. But love to chat with anybody that is interested in just having a chat. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. It's been great. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. And thanks also to our sponsor, the Travel Ability Summit, a virtual conference designed to bring together the disability travel community destinations, hotels, cruise lines, airlines, attractions, and product innovators to exchange practical solutions and new ideas for making travel accessible for all. To find out more, go to TravelAbilitySummit.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.